Welcome to Grace Intersect. This is Jerry Moldenhauer. Thank you for joining us today. Today, our guest is Craig Nelson from the Denver, Colorado area. Craig, thank you for joining us today. Pleasure to be here. Hey, you've got an interesting story. We've talked about some of this already. I think it would be fascinating for the listeners to hear your story as well. Tell me a little bit about your, your background. Where did you grow up and what was your Christian experience like? Okay, I grew up uh, in the Midwest, grew up in Indiana. I am uh, the oldest, I have a brother and sister. I was very into sports as a kid, played football, basketball, baseball, very performance oriented and not induced by my parents, but myself. I was very performance driven. And my earliest church memories were, we really didn't go as a family. We did the Christmas Eve, Easter, and that was about it. And then I got involved with the youth group, MYF, and which is big back in Indiana. And uh, my high school friends invited me to come. And we start, I started going. I had a kumbaya moment, as you'd probably say, uh, there. But after high school, going to college, my faith just drifted away. And then I got married. We had two kids. We have two kids. Now grown, 30 and 27. But uh, my church experience was not... This is what was driven... When you talked about legalism and growing up in your church, my church was out here. We joined after the kids were born, which is an interesting. My wife grew up Jewish and now is believes in Jesus. And uh, but she was the one who said we had to go to church after the kids were born. We needed it for the kids. And of course, it wasn't for the kids; it was for us. But the church that. I was accustomed to was looking good on the outside instead of the inside, Jerry. And that's what caught me on your first Grace Intersect was, where's Jesus and grace in church? And why is it not so often when you hear grace, it's not Christians in church are associated with grace. And I never felt that grace till later. What kind of sermons were you hearing when you were going to church then? The sermons, I don't want to knock anything, but it wasn't inviting in pain or inviting. It's more of let's look good and act well instead of searching that for the lost and broken, which seems that's where I've landed now, but it's been a process to get to there. And uh, I think I wanted that. I just didn't know it, that welcoming in pain and welcoming in sadness and and coming alongside each other just didn't seem to happen. It was more, I remember several times at church when somebody come up and say, how are you doing? And you say, not well, and turning around, they didn't want to engage in that. So this sounded, sounds a lot like it was a kind of a social experience more than a spiritual experience. Right. I always thought I was a pretty good guy, Jerry. I was doing like the great American way, had a successful business, had a wonderful wife and kids to the, on the look on the outside. But inside, there was a lot of sadness from growing up and that I hadn't dealt with, that I didn't know was there, which came out in anger. 
And uh, I had struggled with anger my whole life. And I think that some was sports performance driven, but not till later in life. And when Grace finally found me, did I realize that. Let me ask, would you say that your church experience really didn't help you with the most core issues of your life? It was just basically a place to go and, and like you say, look good. But were you searching for something more at that time and just didn't understand it? Yeah, I think I was searching for intimacy. I scared people away for wanting more, in, like in small group. I didn't want to just talk sports, talk kids, do a book study, do a Bible study. Nothing wrong with any of those. But what authentic community, Jerry, to me is sharing the goods and the bads and the hard stuff as well as the good stuff and the... And maybe this was part me too. It was. It just felt the culture didn't feel like that was a safe place to go with pain, sadness. We just don't go there. So you said you had this anger problem, but you didn't feel like there was anywhere to get help for that as far as your religious community was concerned. Well, yes. And it unfortunately took, as you know, you've heard me before say a two by four over the head before I feel felt... Yeah, that I thought I was doing everything pretty good. Like I said, a business owner, raising kids, trying to do all the right things, the to-dos and shoulds and shouldn'ts, and, and really not living grace, honestly, Jerry. So that's why I, I, I felt, I guess, lost. I, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to take the feelings to at that time. What was the wake-up call? Well... Not taking too much time here, Jerry, and my story is involved in that um, I had a perfect storm brewing in my life and I didn't know it. And I had shingles, which was one thing, which was painful. I had a high school daughter that was making her daddy earn her da da daddy dollars, I would say, or earning, earning his parenting dollars. A little rough during high school a son going to his senior year in college who I was really close with and still am. And that was sad because I knew that he was very performance driven himself. And I knew he would be, that was probably his last summer at home and uh, saying goodbye. The crazy part is we also had a cat, that older senile cat that it had peed all over our basement carpet and it was my wife and daughter's cat and I'm not a real cat person Jerry <laughs> and that was found out the day this I got hit by a two by four so that was all going on I think part of what my daughter learning later with my daughter and my son's not issues but what was going on was that I was losing control and I wasn't trusting in God I was only trusting in myself. And when you're losing, when you're not trusting anybody but yourself, it's a pretty miserable place to be. And I was losing control, but I didn't know, I wasn't processing any of this sadness, trust. There, Like I said, I didn't have a place or a group of men or a small group that I could take those issues to. So... I'm not blaming anybody but myself for that, but what ended up with that perfect storm brewing is 
all over our cat was an argument ensued with between my wife and I that soon escalated to lots of shouting, horrible things said to each other. A daughter who was not there during the evening showed up, who joined in the fray and uh, added to the chaos. My son was the only one that's our son, stayed calm through that and kept saying, Dad, just go take the dogs for a walk. But I didn't. I totally lost control and uh, my wife called 911 and... While she was doing that, I unplugged the phone. And I did not know the call went through, but it did. And finally, after a lot of horrible things said and screaming and shouting, I took the dogs for a walk, like my son said. So I walked for a couple miles and came home, and there were four police cars outside um, our home. I was not talked to. I was whisked away with my in the handcuffs in front of my kids and uh, lots of tears of saying sorry to them and and they I was taken away and I went ended up in Jefferson County Jail. I guess one good part about the shingles was they didn't put me in the regular pit prison because they didn't know what to do with shingles. Um, it's a form of chicken pox, I guess. I'm no medical expert, but they didn't want me in with the general population. Sometime in the middle of the night or early morning, there's no clock. There's no way to know what time it is. That's where grace hit me. Like a tidal wave, actually, Jerry. I, like I'd said earlier, I always thought I was a pretty good guy and doing the right thing, and people liked me, and people liked us as a family, but I had a big anger problem. The song Amazing Grace kept coming to me. What a wretch, the wretch like me. And it wasn't in the form of you disgusting wretch. It was more like, see, this is why I came. I felt that Jesus was saying... You need my grace. And I cried. I prayed. It was like a God moment for me that I had never had. And um, I don't, you know, there's all lots of friends and discussions about this. Did God make this happen? Did God let this happen? I don't know. But Jesus met me right where I needed to be. And I needed a wake-up call I don't think the gradual nudging and was working. And so I would like to say that everything went great from that moment on, but it didn't. It's a process, but... Can I come back yeah. to something? Yes. You, you said that you had this moment here in the jail cell, but I want to know about the control. All right. Did you sense yourself having to give up control? Or did you feel like you had lost any hope of your own ability to control? Was no. that part of that? Was that part of that experience? Well, part of it is I felt I lost control in the evening before. Right. And I was totally out of line in so many respects towards my family, towards God, toward I mean, I lost control. So 
and control's an illusion anyway, but I felt like I was in control so much of the time. So sitting in that jail cell, Jerry, was, I need to let go of that control. Give me, let, let go, trust in me. I kept hearing, I can't, I just kept hearing that grace, amazing grace song. I don't, I'm a music, I mean, I'm not a performer, but music's big in my life and that song just, recycled in my head and tears down my face so I I I mean I so hard to explain all of that feelings it's about 10 years ago now but I I just really felt grace and I for the first time I think in my life not that I had things shoved down my throat all my life I hadn't I had good parents I grew up in a good family I just trusted in me instead of trusting in God or anybody else. So that moment to let go and give him that back was really sweet. Then it got all happy after that, right? No, it did not get all happy. It was a start. I had to, I mean, I did get in trouble. I was in jail. I had my dad come bail me out, which I talked to my dad most mornings on the phone and he's like, son... What's going on today? <laughs> <I'm> like, Dad, <laughs> you need to get a lot of money and come to the Jefferson County Jail and let me out, which was, again, my dad hopped right in the car and came over and got, got me out. But I wasn't allowed to go home, Jerry. The policeman said, you are not allowed to go home till court. You cannot contact your wife. You cannot contact your kids. And I'd never been in trouble before. So this was a pretty, you know, I had a pretty what do you want to say, sheltered life growing up, sheltered place to live. So I'd never experienced anything like that. So I went went to court with an attorney saying, you won't get in any trouble at all. You'll probably just be a, given a, a warning because you've never had an, a criminal offense or you've never been in trouble with the law. And he goes, you'll be fine. Well, that didn't happen. And the, I'm, the reason I'm saying this is I've gone from grace and then self-righteousness creeps back into this story because now I'm thinking, well, I'm gypped. I'm not getting let off. And I had to take 36 weeks of domestic violence classes. I went to the counselor, the first appointment, and the counselor said, you shouldn't even be here, Craig. Nobody is in this class that's done. And I didn't I mean, he's got the police report. He's got everything that happened. I told him everything that happened. I didn't leave anything out. And he said, you'll be shocked at your group of guys you'll be around. Again, that self-righteous creeps back in of, I don't deserve this. You know, I've been a pretty good guy. I go right back to that pretty good guy thing. And it didn't matter. I was going, I had parole I had a suspended sentence, but I had to complete these 36 weeks of classes. And I'm only saying this is this is where the grace, Jesus follows me again, because a month into the classes, I was thinking I shouldn't be here. It's a pretty rough crowd, but hearing other guys' stories was was powerful too. But at a month in, the counselor said... Um, before any of you are allowed to be done with your 36 weeks, 
you're going to have to write an apology letter to your victims. It wasn't even your wife or your kids. It's to your victim or victims. And what ensued from that group of 10 or 12 lies you, you can't put on your podcast here. It was as nasty as nasty can be of saying, I will never write an apology letter to such and such with expletives in there. And he went around the whole room and I had just started. So he said, nobody will write a letter and read it to the class. So I looked around and I said, I'll do it. I mean, I know I can't be done yet, but I'll do it. And uh, it was the coolest thing, Jerry, that Grace came right back to me writing those letters. I wrote one to my daughter, my son, and my wife. And it, that is truly the first time I realized I do have an anger problem and I need to be here. I may not be in these guys' stories, but my story's my own. And I have held anger for a long time and it's time to let God take care of that with me. So I wrote those three letters to them, cried and cried while I wrote them, read them to the class, read them to my wife and two children too, but beforehand. But at the class, I read them and there was a softening in that group. I'm not trying to take credit for any of that, but I went from I guess almost an outsider in that group because my story was not near as what so many had to I was one of them. And I ended up, the counselor actually asked me to start leading some of the groups because it was the guys were responding to me and what I was sharing. And God was really working through me. And grace just came flooding back. And that part has stayed. I mean, trust and control are my issues and sadness. They're still there, but there's an awareness that I've had since that class. It was a blessing to take that class. Not till about five years later, taking the crucible retreat, did I realize where all my anger came from. Most times you hear it's a secondary emotion and fear is a lot of people's. Mine is sadness. Then maybe that's another podcast time, but my sadness turns to anger. And I just now with a group of men to share life with and be honest with, it's, it's so that anger doesn't creep up as much as it used to because I can share my sadness and I have a group of guys around that listen to that and I can share life together. Now I feel like there is grace in my life. I kind of call it an angerholic, um, Jerry. It's like you know that explosion is still somehow in you and I've those blow-ups are not nice for anybody to be around and it wasn't nice for my wife it wasn't nice for my children and yes there was guilt there was shame after those hit and um after i got in trouble though it was a it was a realization that more that I was, not that it was okay that I did that, but I was okay. 
that God loved me. He met me where I was in that jail cell. He, the grace was again overwhelming and it provided that launch pad for me to move past guilt and shame and holding that anger and I could move on and and we it's it's still a process and I I would like to say I never get mad and again but but my sadness when it creeps in I've got a group that I can share I'm getting sad now and I can share with my wife I think that was a hard thing with each other anger was easier to deal with I think sometimes than sadness mm-hmm. so bringing her sadness was a change. How would you say that your experience with church the way it is now versus before, what's the difference? Well, I think part of, they open most, almost every, whatever day you listen, Saturday, Sunday, now it's all online with COVID, but we're here for the lost and broken. And the culture is sharing that we all have a story. We all have some type of pain or suffering or sadness, some more than others, but don't hold that in, share that. Get with a group of people that instead of looking good, now I'm able to share life together. And that's what I think authentic community is so cool about. I don't have to hide anything anymore. Some of the things that you've been talking about it kind of makes me think that we're assuming some things. We're assuming your feeling of freedom that you probably had when you were able to let go of having to be the performance guy. Right. And we're assuming a identity, a new identity that you've taken on. Right. As a child of God, you, you can trust him. You can mm-hmm. let him control things. Yes. Those probably have been mentioned here inherent to what your story is, and yet they're pretty profound in and of themselves. Right. It seems to me that you are more free as a person. Mm -hmm. And maybe in all of that, you even have hope that you never had before. When you carry a burden, whatever that burden is, is mine with sadness and not trusting until somehow that's let go of or given away. It took a big event for me to do that. It's it's exhausting, Jerry. It is exhausting to be performance-driven, to not live in grace, to think you've all got it all together and don't trust in anyone but yourself. It's a a one-way ticket (laughs) to trouble. And it is freeing that I don't have to do that anymore. And I can trust in Him, trust in the Lord, and not trust in myself because I will let myself down. He's not. Have you been able to share your experience with other people in a way that kind of helps provide a stepping stone in their grace journey? Yes. I think any time that you can be, and I keep using this word authentic, with others, it opens the door for them to do the same. And I've said before, I don't know anybody that doesn't have their own story of some type of pain or suffering or sadness. And to hold that in with whether that's guilt or shame is exhausting as well. And I mean, Jesus in his coming to earth and his human side was so relational. Come alongside each other to be there through good and bad is a gift that 
I cherish now that I have a group of people I can do that with. And I wish everybody could have that. People that you can trust. Right. Yes. I don't think we're might just take our journey along. I don't think at least for me, maybe yeah. some people find more good things in solitude. I don't. I find a group of people are meant to come alongside and share life together is life giving. Maybe that's life giving is not that it's grace giving to give each other grace because God didn't come to condemn us. It's, it's still a process. I keep saying that, but at least it's a, it's forward. Like I can't look back like in our sermon, sermon series a few weeks back about you can't go back but you can go forward with Jesus and that's what I'm doing thank you very much Greg you've been doing it well in the time that I've known you and your authenticity is uh, something that inspires us and it gives us reason to have hope with each other that uh, we can be the family of God Mm -hmm. we don't have to put on the fake we don't have to put on the performance we can just be and trust God to be in us to do what he wants to do and that is such a gift Jerry I hope everyone can experience that I agree thank you Craig thank you